Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. So excited that you are with us today. I want you to stand to your feet. As you're standing, I like to start with something funny. And I heard the story about this mom who went into the bedroom, woke her son up and said, son, you need to get up. It's time to go to church. He's like, I don't want to go to church. Come on. How many ever been there? Parents? He says, I don't want to go to church. She's like, you need to go to church. He says, I have two reasons I don't want to go. They don't like me very much over there and I don't like them either. And she goes, well, you know, that's not a good enough excuse. You need to get up and you need to go to church because I have two good reasons for you to go. He's like, well, what are those? He goes, well, first of all, you're 49 years old. Secondly, you're the pastor. You have to go to church today. So, cheap joke, just, you know, making sure we're all awake today. (laughs) I want us to read a passage together. It's found in the book of Hebrews. And uh, this isn't about a guy who makes coffee, just Hebrews. Throwing that out there for you. Making sure you're awake. Some of you went right over your head. All right. Feeling a little crazy. Had a lot of... A lot of energy this morning, a lot of caffeine, so we're going to dive right in. I want us to read this passage out loud, those of you joining us online. Here we go. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us we need to get better at encouraging. Today, I want to talk to you about the encourager. I'm going to show you a guy in the Bible that that was his name. And I believe that what we're going to learn today is not just something that he did. It's something that God wants us to do. Because I'm telling you, we live in a a world that needs encouragement. So why don't you close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we say, speak today. Speak in us and to us. And Lord, I pray that as we leave this room, speak through us. Anoint everything spoken and anoint our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to actually show you in the Bible the encourager. Now, I don't know why when I think of the encourager... It makes me think of the Terminator. I don't know why those go together, but for some reason, maybe it's just the the and then the description after. The encourager, and I want to show you, it's found in Acts chapter 4. There was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. Let me stop right there. How many of you, when you were growing up, you had a nickname? All right. How many of you do not want to share your nickname? My dad... Growing up, he was uh, the youngest of nine kids, and he had a nickname, and his entire life, when people would visit from his family, they would say, have you heard your dad's nickname? And he forbid anyone from telling us what that nickname was. In fact, up until he was on his deathbed, it wasn't until he was on his deathbed that I finally found out what his nickname was. How many of you like to know what it is? I'm not going to tell you. Um, Because he didn't want people to know. So because he didn't want people to know, I'm not going to share it. I didn't think it was that bad, but he thought it was horrible. What's interesting is I love that in this story, the apostles were a bunch of guys who were normal guys, and they had nicknames for each other. 
And I don't know exactly what they all were, but what I do know is that the Bible says that his nickname was Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, not son of a gun, not son of a nutcracker, not another phrase that we won't go into this morning, son of encouragement. And then it goes on and tells us some more information about this encourager. He was from the tribe of Levi, Levi and he came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. It says that he was the son of encouragement, Barnabas, son of. Barnabas, that means son of. It's interesting, when you're a son of, here's the thing you need to know, is you carry the DNA of the father. So he's carrying the DNA of encouragement, and the word encouragement is basically a word which is an exhortation, which is, it meant, it's meant to encourage or to build up. Today I want to talk about Paul, the apostle, and I'm going to talk about Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas traveled together throughout life, throughout ministry. And we're going to take this passage that we just read, these three verses about this encourager, and we're going to learn three things about what an encourager does. So if you're taking notes, I want to tell you the first thing encouragers do. You ready? Here's what you do if you're going to be an encourager. Number one, write this down. Encourage with your words. Encourage with your words. There's, a, there's a, a verse in the Bible I want to read. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Here's what it says. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. As a Christian, we're not supposed to... to not just cuss. A lot of us think we, that means cussing. And if you're a Christian, you really shouldn't cuss. Um, but it also doesn't just mean cussing. It means speaking inappropriately. How many know that somebody cannot cuss, but they can be just as harmful and detrimental? Because they can speak anger. They can speak violence. They can speak hatred. They can speak racism. Don't use foul or abusive language but how many know that even though as Christians sometimes we do say things we wish we didn't say how many have had that happen to you how many had it happen to you this week it happened to me this week on the golf course I was a little frustrated and I used some Christian cuss words how many here have ever used a Christian cuss word come on darn right we'll keep the rest of them out of the service how about that I was frustrated, and I used some words I shouldn't use. And This says that as Christians, we shouldn't use foul or abusive language, but then it says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Are people encouraged when they hear you talk? Because if you're going to be an encourager, you have to use your words. You know, your words can bring death or life. The Bible says that through the tongue, we bring death or life. I got to tell you, as a pastor over the years now, I've been in part-time or full-time paid ministry for 31 years. I know I don't look it, but um, <laughs> just teasing. 31 years. And over the years, here's what I've discovered, that a lot of the times when I'm meeting with people, when I'm counseling with people, much of the time, their ability to move beyond their past, their ability to move into their potential often is hindered the most not just because of what was done to them, but because of what, what was said over them. How many kids, and we're adults now, are still trying to get over the, you'll never amount to anything? You always have a bad attitude. 
Things that were spoken over us because our words can bring life or death. And encouragers, they know how to use their words appropriately to bring courage, to bring encouragement and strength and blessing. You know, it's interesting is I, I was on a trip recently and I left that trip so encouraged. I was down in, in Southern California in the San Diego area. And while I was there, I was with a pastor. He has an amazing church called C3 Church. They have several campuses. And, and I left not just amazed by the amazing church that he had, but I left feeling so good. And the reason is, is because this pastor, his name is Jurgen, he's an encourager. And when he would say things, it just encouraged me so much. He would say nice things about me, say nice things about the church. But it, it, it was so impactful, and I think mainly because he had an Australian accent. <laughs> I'm serious. For some reason, when he would encourage me, it just felt so good. He'd, he'd be like, he saw me. The first thing, he's like, Jared, it's so good to see you. You're a champion, Jared. You're a champion. Jared, your church is awesome. You're an awesome guy. You've got an awesome family. Jared, you're a champion. I got to tell you, afterwards, I was like walking away going, I'm a champion. <laughs> just because of his accent. I mean, I couldn't help myself. He just, he spoke so, so kindly and encouraging. It made me leave realizing what an incredible church we have and what an incredible family I have. And man, it was awesome because he was speaking words of life. You know, there's a guy in my circle and I, we talk all the time here at Higher Vision that you need to be in a circle. Whether it's once a week or every couple weeks, you need to be in a place with other Christians from Higher Vision Church and maybe other Christian community that, that you're involved with, meeting with, encouraging each other, praying for each other. In my circle, I have an encourager. One of the guys in my circle, his name is Tony Hart. And this guy is an encourager. When you leave him, you always feel better than when you came. Because he'll start talking to me and he'll be saying stuff like, you know, Pastor Jared, you're so blessed. You've got such a great family. Or he'll say, you know what, Pastor, it's so amazing. I, just this last weekend when you're preaching, there's such an anointing on your life when you speak. And man, it just blesses me. So, you know, our church is so blessed to have you. Man, you can't walk away and not say, I'm a champion. I mean, it feels good to have someone speak words over you. I guess the question then is, is, who are you saying that over? When was the last time someone left you and they were excited about who they are and what they're doing and what God's doing in their life? God is looking for people to encourage us. That's why we picked this passage and we started talking about a Barnabas because Barnabas was an encourager and he encouraged Paul the Apostle. Now, here's what I find interesting is that think about it for a minute. Paul the Apostle is called by God, and here's what God tells him when he calls him. He doesn't call him and say, I'm going to use you to touch the nations of the world, and I see you in front of massive crowds. And No, here's what he said. He said, you're going to take the message to the Gentiles and suffer greatly for my name. Now, think about it for a minute. The guy that God called to suffer do you think it's an accident that the person who spent almost his entire ministry with him happened to be the guy who was called the encourager? I think God knew what was coming. God told him what was coming. So he brought an encourager into his life because he needed an encourager to help him when he was stoned and left for dead, when he was beat four different times, when he was shipwrecked four different times, when he was put in prison multiple times. He needed someone to tell him, listen, God's got a call on your life. Paul, you're a champion. <laughs> Encouragers use their words. In fact, let me show you how you can use your words to encourage and who they need, those words need to be too. If you go into the book of Acts, here's what happens. Paul was persecuting the church. 
and um, he gets saved. He's literally putting Christians in prison, having them stoned and killed like Stephen. Then he gets saved, he accepts Christ, and God says, now you're going to preach for me, and you're going to take the message to the Gentiles, right? Well, he shows up back in Jerusalem, and watch what happens. When Saul arrives, and let me just say it says Saul because his name was Saul, but then when he became a Christian serving Christ, he eventually became known as Paul. So just for, for that little bit of information, for the, some of you say, wait a minute, is that the same guy? When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he was truly had become a believer. Then the encourager showed up. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul and he had told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. I want to tell you, if you're going to be an encourager and you're going to use your words, here is who you need to have your words be to or how you need to use your words. Here's the first thing. Write this down. If you're going to be an encourager, here's what you need to do is you need to tell them. Now, what I mean by that? What I mean by that is that you need to tell the person you're encouraging, you need to speak to them words of encouragement. Your kids need to hear you say, I love you. My dad told me that when um, he was on, his mom was on her deathbed and he was there standing next to her, how that he was holding her hands and, and she basically at the last moment, she said, son, would you would you like stroke my face? And he came up close and stroked her face and she passed away. And as she passed away, he realized at that moment that his mom had never once in her life told him that she loved him. He said, I knew she did, but she'd never told me. And one of the things when we became his you know, children, my mom would tell him, honey, tell him you love him. Because he didn't know. And so the rest of his life, he developed the habit of telling us. And it felt good to have my dad or to have my mom say, I love you. My question is, when was the last time you told your child, I love you? When was the last time you told someone, I believe in you? When was the last time you told someone, you know, you're an amazing person? When was the last time you used your words to tell them? Because I think what happened when Paul the Apostle shows up in Jerusalem and he's wanting to give up because they don't even want to talk to him. They don't want to spend any time with him. I think Barnabas shows up and he says, Paul, hey, dude, you're a champion. God is awesome and he has an awesome hand on your life. And he encouraged him. We don't see it necessarily in the verse, but it's obviously there. He basically said, bro, I believe in you. I believe in the call on your life. You heard from God. God spoke to you. You're preaching in Damascus. I believe in you. We need to tell people we need that we believe in them. We need to tell them. It's awesome. You know, with my kids, I see it on my kids. When you tell them. I had, I had a situation happen with my son, Tanner. Some of you know um, that... Uh, my son Tanner right now with a few of his friends from here at Higher Vision, they're riding across the country on a bicycle. They left from the west coast, the ocean in Oregon, and they're riding to the east coast to New York. And they're not just doing it because they're weird. They are weird, but they're not doing it because they're weird. Um, they're doing it because they felt like God told them that they were supposed to do something to help raise awareness for sex trafficking and to raise money to set sex trafficking victims free. And every $1,000 they raise, they, they, that money is able to literally go in and rescue a woman in a brothel, bring them out, and put them in six months of rehab to give them a chance to have a, have a chance at life. And so they're riding. They're over 1,000 miles now. They're in the uh, state of Wyoming, and they're riding through Wyoming right now. 
And I'll never forget is that we were getting ready to, to, it was about two weeks before their ride, we were driving up to the house, and as we were driving up to the house, we pulled into the garage, and my son, and I hope he doesn't get mad at me for telling this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. That's when you're the pastor, you always get in trouble when you get home. Um, and he began to weep. And we're like, what's going on? Is everything okay? And we're like, son, are you all right? And he's like, dad, mom, thank you. Thank you so much. And we're like, for what? He said, you don't know. And he literally could barely talk. He was crying so hard. He goes, you don't know how difficult it's been trying to organize this trip, trying to, to find the, the right bikes, trying to, to get the right trail in place, trying to raise money, trying to do all this stuff. And everyone thinks we're stupid. Everyone thinks we're crazy. Nobody thinks we can do it. But you know what? Even myself, I've doubted myself if I could do it. I've sat in my bed at night and thought, can I even do this? This is crazy. We're not even going to make it. How are we going to do this? But you know what? You and mom, you keep telling me, you're going to do this, son. You can do it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it all the way across. And he, he began, he was literally bawling. He said, thank you. Thank you for believing in me. Who needs to hear you say to them, I love you. I believe in you. You're better than this. God has more for you. Encourage with your words to them. Not only that, but here's the other thing, is don't just tell them, but tell others about them. Let them hear you brag about them. As we read the story that we read a moment ago, watch what happens. Barnabas, the encourager, he doesn't just tell Paul, hey, you can do this. He takes Paul to the apostles, and he starts bragging about Paul to the apostles in front of Paul. Paul's sitting there listening to him tell the story. Man, this guy, you got you to understand something. He's a champion. And, and it's awesome. God called him out. He preached in Damascus. God's got his hand on his life. You got this guy, God, God's raising him up to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And he's bragging about him in front of him. And, and I just thought, how many of us, what would it be like for us if we had the chance for others to brag about us? How would we feel? You know, with my family, one of the things we do is at, at, on a birthday, we go out to dinner. Uh, we do three things as a family. Um, we get a, a pass to Disneyland, and on our birthday, we go to Disneyland. So every family member has to go to Disneyland on their birthday. We force them. Okay, I'll go home. Second thing we do is that we sit down for a meal for their birthday, and at that meal, everyone around the table has to brag or talk about the things that they love and appreciate about that person. And it's crazy because as you go around the table, you know, first it's like, oh, do we got to do this again? But then as soon as it starts, their face changes. It's kind of one of those things where they're like, don't. Stop. Don't stop. Come on, you know what I'm saying, right? They're like, don't. Right? They, it, it, you can just see it on their face. They love it. They love that someone is speaking about them. You know, I heard this quote, and it's simply this. Someone once said, flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. But praise me, and I will never forget you. I love in this story that he didn't just speak words of encouragement to Paul, but he worked, spoke words of encouragement about Paul. There's something about hearing others brag, share, 
You know, it makes me think as I look around this church, we've got so many talented, amazing, loving, caring people in this church. You know what I love about Robbie right there is Robbie is a guy who he's there for you. I mean, literally, he's on the safety team, but even when he's not on the safety team, he's still there. He's like, hey, pastor, I got you. If you need anything, I'm here. Would you need some water? I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm so waterlogged, I couldn't drink another drop. He's got another bottle of water. <laughs> Would you like some water? Here you go, pastor. Here you go. And he'll, he'll stand beside me. We've got the safety team. You know, it's just part of the, the, what happens in church. You, you, sometimes you have to make sure that everyone's covered, children's ministry and so on. But he's right there. Literally, sometimes when I'll try to sneak out, I can't even sneak out to go home because he's there waiting at the door. He's like, I got you. When you're going to your car, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm going to walk you out. He's got a servant's heart. He wants to protect. He wants to serve. He wants to love. He wants to care. And he doesn't just do it with me. He does it with other people, whether it's well, you know, people that want to work out and box. He'll go take them to his gym, and he'll do that. Or he'll call somebody. Or he'll pray for somebody. He's got a heart of gold. It's awesome to see. Robbie's an amazing guy. My son right there, Hudson, Tanner, I told you about a minute ago with his ride, but Hudson, you know, it's awesome what God's done in his life in the last year. He's gone through a rough season, and he just graduated from this program where he's, he's a different kid. God's doing great things in his life. He loves Jesus. He loves to tell people about Jesus. He loves to tell his story about where he's come from and how, how far God has brought him. He's a changed kid. God's doing great things in his life. Doesn't it feel good? To be encouraged. Encourage with your words. Come on, somebody say amen. Let me, give you, let me give you the next one. Second thing we need to do is encourage with our vision. Encourage with our vision. Let's go back to this story in Acts. It says in Acts chapter 9 that they were afraid of him when he got to Jerusalem. And they said, I don't believe that he's truly become a believer. But then Barnabas brought him to the apostles. It's interesting because here's basically what Barnabas said. Barnabas said, I know you guys see one thing, but I see something else. Your vision or your perspective is one thing, but my vision and my perspective is something else. You guys see his past, but I see his potential. And encouragers don't just speak words of encouragement. Encouragers have a vision to be able to see the potential in others. They're able to see that God can do something in their life. They're able to see that, that, that change can happen, that transformation can take place. And it's interesting because sometimes what you see is what you'll get. If you see suspicion, people will live up to that suspicion. If you see hate, people will live up to that hate. It's interesting, there's a, a story about Michelangelo, and he was a, the great sculptor in his day. One day he took um, one of his friends into this rock quarry, and you know, he would take rocks, right, and he would, he would build things, it's amazing, and there were these three massive um, stones that were in the middle of the quarry, and he looks at his friend, and he says, what do you see? And his friend says, well, I see three big rocks, and he looks at Michelangelo kind of like, what kind of question was that? What do you see? And Michelangelo says this, he goes, I see three angels in prison waiting to be set free. He didn't see the jagged edges, he saw the angels. What do you see? Because encouragers don't just say words, they see things. 
They see that below the surface there's potential. They see that below the surface that there's opportunity. They don't see the past. They see the potential. And what I love is that Barnabas, God chose Barnabas, and, and here's why. We've been going through this passage, right? The first verse said he was, his nickname was Barnabas. He was an encourager. And then the second verse tells us this. In Acts chapter 4, says this. It says, he was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from the island of Cyprus. Now, when I'm reading through the Bible, I don't just read through the Bible and move on. A lot of times, I'll stop and I'll go, okay, God, why did you tell me that? Like, why did we need to know? Why didn't he just tell us he was an encourager and move on? But then he decides to tell us in the next verse, oh, by the way, he was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from the island of Cyprus. What was the big deal? Well, I think in the context of being an encourager, this is what God was saying. You see, it tells us he was a Levi, which means that Barnabas understood Jewish law. He understood the traditions. He understood the ceremonies. He understood what was required. That he, he, he understood. He, he was raised in it. He was a Levi. He knew what it took religiously to be a Jew. He, he understood that. But the other thing it tells us is that he also understood the Gentile, the people that weren't Jews, the people that didn't worship Yahweh. So he had this ability, he grew up, probably was a Roman citizen, being from Cyprus. So he, he, was, a, uh, he was someone who could blend and understand tradition of the Jews and the, the realities of the Gentile. Now let's step back and let's look at Paul. Paul was raised as a Pharisee who religiously followed the Jewish laws. And at the same time, he was raised in a city as a Gentile, and he was a Roman citizen. The point is, is that when I believe Barnabas saw Paul, and he saw this guy who was trying to become a Christian and serve God and preach the gospel and all, and suddenly, here's what went through Barnabas's mind. This is what I think. He went like, hey, I, I'm a, I could be a bridge to this guy. I can identify with this guy. I can understand this guy. I know the complexities of being a Gentile and being a Jew. I can, I can be a bridge. I can help him bridge to the apostles where they'll receive his ministry. I can help him when he goes into Jewish communities. I can help him understand and work through that process with him because I get him. I understand him. And what I realize is that encouragers are people who understand that they're a bridge because you, can you realize that you're a bridge? There are some of you that... Maybe your background is addiction, and there are people out there that are struggling with addiction, and you could be a bridge because you can say, I understand what it's like to struggle with that, and yet still love God at the same time. I understand what it's like to, to be tempted with that, but yet want to serve the Lord. And I, I could be a bridge. I could help connect for some of you, it's, it's legalism. You grew up in a real legalistic church where it's what you wear and what you don't wear and how you talk and what you, whether you have makeup or you don't have makeup. I mean, literally, there's denominations that are so legalistic, and you grew up in that. But then you got saved on another level, and you knew the Lord on another level, and you understood his grace and his power. And now guess what? Now you're a bridge, and you see the people that are out there that are caught in, in legalism and tradition, and you could be a bridge because encouragers not only say words, they have a different vision. Is your vision? Yeah, they'll always be that way. Or is an encourager inside of you which says, yeah, they have a rough past, but they have an incredible future. They have an amazing potential before them.
Because encouragers use their words and encouragers have vision. Encourage with your vision. What do you need to see when you look at your kids? What do you need to see with the person in the cubicle next to you? What do you need to see with those kids on that soccer field? What do you need to see? Let me give you the third one. You all still with me? Say amen. Encouragers use their words. Encouragers have vision and encourage with your generosity. Encourage with your generosity. I want to go back to this passage in Acts. And as I was reading through Acts, again, we find out he's the encourager. We find out that he was a bridge. And then lastly, look what it says. It tells us that he sold a field he owned and he brought the money to the the apostles. So he was an encourager. He was a bridge. And the last thing is he was generous. He had a heart of generosity. And I realized that if he's the model of encouragement, then that's really what you and I need to be doing. We need to be people who have a vision to see something different, the potential in others. We need to be people who speak words. But we also need to be people who are generous. You see, he took what he had, and here's how his generosity worked. I could take what I have and use it for me. And let me just stop and say I'm super excited because in two weeks I'm starting a brand new series called Shift. And I believe it's going to be a pivotal series for this church because we live in a world that is increasingly moving away from God. And how do you stand in truth? How do you stand on the Bible when culture is shifting away from God? How do you stand true to God but do it in a way that you don't alienate the world? And so we're going to teach a series on shift. We're going to use the book of Daniel. In the summer, we do more of an expository approach. We're going to work through the the book of Daniel and we're going to learn how do we stand strong when the world is shifting around us. Y'all with me? Say amen. It's interesting because what he did, and and, in the culture that we're in, it's a lot about me. What's about me? And and that's what happens is if we're not careful, we can say, well, it's my field, it's my money, it's my time, it's my knowledge, and it's my family, and it's my job, and suddenly everything becomes about me. But what generosity says is, Lord, I realize that what I have, I got from you, and so I'm going to take what I have now, and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be generous, so I'm going to care about what you care about, so I'm going to care about the kingdom, not just my kingdom. And so he, he said that. He said, I could take all this money and I could, you know, I could go on a big trip. But instead, I'm going to invest it in the kingdom. I want to show you a passage, and we're going we're to break this down and bring this to a close. You all with me? Say amen. Let's go to Acts. This is, there's not a lot of, of passages that talk about Barnabas, and so we're kind of highlighting some of those passages, the encourager. Look what it says. Now, there's a a revival that breaks out in Antioch. And when the revival breaks out in Antioch, let me say, if you've not taken our growth track, the next time we offer it, you need to jump in and take it. One of the things in that growth track we talk about is the church of Antioch. Higher vision is based off the church of Antioch. When I started this church, the Lord spoke to me that the church of Antioch was to be a model for the New Testament church. In fact, the the church of Antioch, some historians say, grew to be 100,000 in attendance, had 18,000 pastors on staff. They influenced church doctrine for 300 years. It was the first Gentile church. So if you come to Grow Track, you'll learn some of that stuff and why we are what we are and, and what we're doing. And so a revival breaks out in Antioch. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, guess who they send? They send Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy And look what he did. 
He encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Now, we're going to go on in a second. But you know what's interesting? Isn't it interesting to think that when they needed someone who was credible and had a good reputation, the first person they thought of was an encourager. Could I say this? If you want to have influence and you want to have credibility, maybe the best way to get it is not to use social media or some platform to debate your argument. Maybe the best way to have influence is to start being an encourager. Because people will turn to you. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, I'm not against sharing your opinion, but I'm going to tell you, if you're an encourager, you'll have the credibility you need to have the influence you need to impact the culture that's around you. Come on, somebody say amen. That's good, good preaching. Amen. Just encouraging you now. Just encouraging you. Right. Some of you immediately went to your social media. Right there. Okay. So he encourages the church, and now watch what happens. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. Here's what I love about this, is that he was generous. What do you mean he was generous? He was generous, and here's what he said. Because here's what generous people, they do three things. Generous people, number one, they're generous by being a mentor. If you want to write it down, that's one of the points. They're generous with their time, and they're generous with opportunity. You realize that Paul... He ended up receiving this generosity from, from, from Barnabas. Barnabas didn't have to do this, but he chose. And here's what he thought. Man, this church is exploding. It's growing. It needs good leadership. It needs good teaching. It needs good preaching. You know what? Paul. Paul was out in the wilderness at the time, and he was studying for ministry. He didn't just get called into ministry and start preaching. He got called into ministry, and he went into a season of training. And Barnabas goes, you know what I'm going to do? I've been given the authority now to help with this new church now that I've been given this opportunity, I can share it with Paul. And here's the cool thing. I can bring Paul in, who's trying to figure this Gentile Jew thing, Christian thing uh, out. And guess what? I can bring him alongside me, and he can teach with me. He can do ministry with me. I can mentor him. I can show him stuff. I can teach him stuff. We can talk things through. Let me ask you a question. Is there anybody that you're mentoring? Because encouragers, they're generous. And they'll say, I'm going to share what I have with somebody else. What does the scripture say? Freely have you received, freely give. So he, he began to mentor him. And I won't go through all the things. We could go through and see examples of his mentorship on how to teach. We see examples of his mentorship on how to deal with people that make mistakes like John Mark. We could talk about that. The point is, is that he taught him about conflict. He taught him about ministry. He shared his life with Paul. He was generous by mentoring. You know, the other thing he was generous with was his time. You realize that he gave up doing what he wanted to do so that he could go on a missionary journey with Paul. And he spent dozens of years, decades of his life, he gave his time. I'm going to tell you, that's one of the most valuable things that we have. And for some of us, we struggle with giving one hour a week to the church to serve. But the heart of an encourager says, if I got to give away decades, I'll give away decades. Because I'm not going to think about mine. I'm going to think about the kingdom. Come on, you all with me? Say amen. He was generous with his time. He was generous with mentorship. And here's the last thing. He was generous with opportunity. He said, you know what? 
I have an opportunity to help Paul, so I'm going to share this opportunity with someone else. When was the last time you did everything in your power to give somebody else the opportunity? That's what encouragement is. I'll be honest with you, that I, I got a story that I'll share, and I use my family a lot. And uh, please forgive me. Well, you don't have to forgive me, but just don't get offended or upset. It's not like I think my family is all that and a bag of chips. Um, it's just that a lot of the, I see a lot of what I'm learning. Because when I'm preaching, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. You just happen to be in the room. And so when I'm looking at what God's saying, I start going, okay, well, how do I see it in my life? How do I see it in my kids? How do I see it in our church? How do I see it? And so I got an example of opportunity. And I'm talking about my son. I know some of you are like probably going to get sick of hearing about Ride for Freedom, Tanner riding across the country. Yesterday was one of the toughest days they've had so far. Verge of quitting. 100-degree weather, riding uphill, 4,000 feet. Attacked by mosquitoes, getting dehydrated. 115 miles. Dang it, I'm proud of them. Proud of them for going for it and sticking it out. And, I, and I'm going to unashamedly, unabashedly say, if you go to rideforfreedom.co, rideforfreedom.co, you can see what they're doing. You can follow them on Instagram and hear their stories. They, you know, keep us up to date. And if you want to give, your giving will make a difference. So when, when Tanner was talking to me, we were on our way to San Diego, and he was talking, he said, Dad, man, we're not that far away from our trip. We're like three weeks away, and we've only raised like $4,000. And what they're doing is most of the money they raise is going to, to, um, to help people get free from sex trafficking, but they also had to raise some money for some of the administrative side of it, whether it's website or some of the equipment and so on. And so they basically had worked as hard as they could. I mean, they were going onto the streets. They're going door to door. They're setting up tables in the lobby. They did all kinds of stuff. I gave them opportunity with that. but And they'd raised enough basically just to pay for the equipment. And here they're getting ready to ride across the country. And I'm thinking in my mind, gosh, how am I going to do in motivation if I know I'm riding just for the bike that I'm on? I want to know that I'm riding so that people are getting set free from sex trafficking. So I looked at Tanner. I said, you know what, Tanner? I said, here's what we're going to do. I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to give it to you. Here's my phone, and I want you to go through my contact list. And when we go through the list, if they're a pastor that has a church that has a missions budget that might be open to giving to you, we're going to mark them. If they're a business person, we're going to mark them. If they're just a person that loves the kind of stuff you're doing, we're going to mark them. And I'm going to let you call every single one of them all of my friends, all of the people I know, I'm going to give you access to what I have access to. And you can call them and say, hey, don't get mad. My dad told me I could call you. I just want to share this with you. If you're open, would you be interested? And can I tell you, I was so excited that by the time we reached San Diego, they had raised over $10,000 more. In an hour and a half. Now, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back in any way. That's not what it's about. It's about to show you that if you want to encourage, maybe one of the ways you can encourage is not just say, I believe in you, but is to say, let me help you with an opportunity. Aren't you thankful that God is an encourager and that he sees things in you 
Not only does he see stuff in you, but he says it. He says it to you. I know the thoughts I have about you. Thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you. Thoughts to give you a hope and a future. God's saying to you today, I believe in you. And if we're going to be Barnabas, son of, then we want to reflect the DNA of our father. And he not only believes in you, he's spoke it over you. And then he's given you opportunity because he said, now I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to give it to you. So I'm going to give my son to you so that you can be free. I'm going to give you opportunity. So I'm going to care about the kingdom. I'm going to care about the need more than what I would prefer. I wouldn't prefer for my son to die, but I care about the kingdom. The closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the more God is calling you and I to be encouragers. We just.